Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yes, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am the Reverend Enfuego. Across from me is Vicky Barcelona. Hello. The show's namesake, BJ Shea. He's back and he's got something to say. Oh, I got something to say. And we've got the we've run of the boards is Joey D's. <laughs> I'm at a loss. Ah, yeah, me too. I kind of I do that to myself on that one. On today's show, we will talk television with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, The Walking Dead. Because I got Dead. something to say. Yeah, yeah, you do. And Invincible. We'll talk with Gareth Von Kallenbach about what the hell's going on with E3. And, of course, the geek sheet with Vicky B. Vicky, how can people get a hold of us? Get a hold of us via our website, bjgeeknation.com. Get our blogs, podcasts, and More. more. Or just search for us, BJJ's Geek Nation, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Instagram, uh, the iTunes, as well as Odyssey. Yeah! It used to be Radio.com. If you already had it, it just automatically changed to Odyssey with an A. Yep. A-U-D-A-C-Y. You can find all the information, all of our uh, episodes, and mm-hmm. so much more there. You can get music, all sorts of fun stuff with it's that. It's a cool app. It's a yeah. cool app. Uh, oh, yeah. let's, we got to talk some TV, and we're going to start with Falcon and the Winter Soldier because through three episodes, um, BJ, your 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 son is um, not necessarily a fan. Oh, really? I really mm-hmm. thought that, you know, I was actually turned around with this third episode. I wasn't oh. really digging it for the first two, but the third episode was like, all right, I you know, they, they at least give us action. You know, when you think yeah. of Wanda and Vision, uh, WandaVision, it's like, wow, there there wasn't a lot of action for a while, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, at least they're giving us a lot of action. And the third one has got me interested, like, okay, uh, and, and I really, I do, I do like, I do like the story. I, I mean, it's intriguing me. All right, cool. Joe, so right now, so far, what we've seen in the first three episodes, um, it obviously is about Falcon and the Winter Soldier dealing with the post uh, uh, effects of uh, the, the snap and then the blip uh, coming back and dealing with all of that. And they're kind of gallivanting around the world trying to see what's going on with all these uh, new super soldiers that are coming up. But you seem to have an issue, man. Yeah, you know, it, I just don't think it's for me. Uh, ah. I will agree with BJ. This third episode was better. Mm-hmm. I think they kind of got over the whole let's reintroduce the characters and where they're at kind of a thing, which Fair. is smart, and they established the world. I think my big problem with it, though, is I'm just not believing the world that they live in. You hmm. know, like, Bucky can afford really high-level therapy and all this stuff, but, you know, Captain Falcon or uh, Captain Falcon. Captain Falcon, no! <laughs> Falcon. Falcon does work for the government, but he doesn't get paid. I don't really understand that dynamic where he can go fight the most powerful supervillains in the world for the government has clearance but then apparently doesn't really fit into the world still it's just a weird thing for me i don't necessarily think it's wrong or i actually think the the topics that they go over are great like male therapy in that last episode was amazing huge yeah but i just again for me it's just one of those like there's nothing that's going to come out of this because we know it's kind of a filler show and i'm kind of superheroed out uh okay i don't necessarily disagree with all of that but bj what do you want to say well, I would, you know, Joey is pointing out something that I think I'm seeing in a lot of shows and uh, that the message is more important than the logic. And uh, you are they're just wanting you to suspend your belief or disbelief, I should say, mm-hmm. just so that you will embrace their message. And I see a lot of shows doing this now. And look, I got nothing against the message because there are some really oh, good yeah. messages that need people, you know, that art likes to get out there. But I am seeing that, in fact, a lot of folks that are used to a level of things making sense, 
especially if you watch the I've seen the world of Star Trek, especially where you are used to things making a certain amount of sense. There's a certain amount of logic and the newer showrunners are going, hey, I've seen it in Doctor Who as well. And I oh, am seeing okay. it in the Falcon and Winter Soldier. That's like, look, because uh, Joey's right. It's like, I just don't think Sam would be in as a bad shape and his family would be as in, in as bad shape as they are because of the great family of superheroes they're a part of. They like they yeah. would make sure he was taken care of. But I also know what message they're trying to send, which is indeed a real thing going on in society. So I think they're asking us, please suspend your disbelief because the message is important. And I think more and more shows are doing this. And it's an adjustment that I think some people like Joey have to make or just take a pass. I, I and, it's, it's it's prevalent in a lot of shows these days. And we've uh, we've talked about this. If it's something you're not feeling, uh, there's so much geeky stuff out there. If you're not feeling it, no issues. Like, you can just move on and go see something else. This episode, and I know, BJ, you talked about how it brought you back. And even, Joe, you were like, oh, this is pretty entertaining. I just... I love what they're doing in terms of introducing these characters that you either haven't seen in a long time and you're kind of wondering how they're dealing with stuff or just coming around and showing what the world is globally because that's what they're doing with this show. They're showing the different areas globally. But, man, I loved Zemo in this one. Yeah, Zemo I, was fun. I, I, yes. I'm a villain. Uh, I'm, I'm a villain. Like, we'll just always put it out there. Like, like when it comes that's down to all that stuff. a fact. I'm really happy with what they're doing with him because he's he's obviously doing things because he wants to I don't even know if it's even like a status thing like I'm Zemo I'm back here doing all this stuff. He obviously was doing most of it to get the hell out of prison. Um but it just seems like there's a little bit more to what he's doing and I really do like how he was going about with all of it. And uh the character of Carly, I could for the my for the longest time I was like, where have I seen her? Where have I seen her? And I finally realized she was actually in solo. Oh, and, really? Yeah, she if you remember like the, the you know, basically the guys that were trying to steal all the stuff from uh, you know, the the group of people that Han was with and and, and uh Woody Harrelson's character and all that. Uh and then it turns out they're just oh. a but it's a kid. It was a kid underneath that mask where you thought, Oh my gosh, these people are a bunch of whatever's and it turns out it's her. And I really was impressed with her then. I thought she played that role very well in Solo. So I'm very, very happy that she's yeah. one of the main characters in this. Looking forward to see who the power broker is. Mm-hmm. And um, loving the, you know, the, the, the American, what's it, the American soldier, Captain America, whatever this guy is supposed well, to be. he's still Captain America. Like the Patriot or whatever the hell he's supposed to be. <laughs> I, 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 I've never read those comics, so I'm excited to see where that storyline goes since I'm going to be a noob to all of that. Um, but I do see Joe's point. I think Joe is making a good point, and I don't know what Hollywood's going to do about that. I, you know, yeah. if there's a lot of people that really just expect logical stuff from what they watched in the 2000s and in the 90s, and today's TV's just not doing it. Uh, that was my one big question because I was kind of confused. Do they work for the same government, Falcon and the Captain America? And Captain America, I, I they haven't really necessarily established that. Because they um, kept saying that they Captain America is clearly part of the government. Mm-hmm. They kind of go over that. And then Falcon, I think, is supposed to be working for it the seems, government. Yeah, it seems like almost like black ops sort of things, like maybe. Yeah, because they're like doing very, things. Like in the, even in the first episode, they're talking about like, well, you're not supposed to be here, you know. And then like, oh, we're about to go into like, you know, uh, neutral space or whatever like that. So it seems kind of like interesting on that sort of aspect of it. I have two theories that will fix it. Because either, okay, the third one would be they don't do anything and they just kind of want you to assume that this is how it is and just mm-hmm. move on. 
But the only things I could maybe see it showing up, either we find out something about Sam we didn't know of, like maybe a gambling addiction or something. There's something underlying. Why don't you have money? Or I feel like they're going to really play into the whole trying to show the difference between a black man and a white man. Mm-hmm. And, oh, a white man gets all, like could have done all these bad things and he gets a nice hotel, all this a hotel, a nice apartment and therapy and everything like Bucky's getting. And yet a guy that was there was doing all good for the most part doesn't. Yeah. yeah that, so that, they, that, might, they might that, be I leaning in hard message. into that. Yeah, I think that's the message they seem to be sending, Vicky. So mm-hmm. if they turn it around and give uh, like Sam a gambling problem, I think that really mitigates mm-hmm. yeah. the message they're trying to get out there, which, you know, I, I don't think they should do that. It's just, you know, um, it's tough to, when you when when you have a, a you have a disbelief threshold mm-hmm. and they keep crossing it. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like they need to fix it. Cause I agree. I'm like, okay, come on, how are you going to fix it? I'm sitting here waiting, what are they gonna do to fix it? And if they were to come out and say something like that, that it is a race thing that they're really trying to showcase and trying to show that this is a problem, whether it's in the military or whatever. I wish that they uh, they will do that soon. Oh, I'll tell you who will fix it. Ryan George and his pitch meetings once the, yeah, once the season's over. <laughs> right. Ryan will fix it. Joe got you hooked to those after Wonder Woman. That's oh, hilarious. A, he, Ryan George is a gift <laughs> to mankind is all I have to say. Uh, next up, The Walking Dead had their season finale. Now, after this, oh, there will be one more season. That's it. And uh, BJ, you have. I'm going to be catching up because you sent me a message after you saw it. And it was like, even if you don't watch the rest of the season, you need to watch this episode. But I'm a completionist, so I'm going to go back and I'm going to start back. I was halfway through the uh, the Whisperer War so I'm not that far behind and now that they've caught up and gotten through that uh, I'm going to get back in there BJ but what were your thoughts on it? Well it is uh, perhaps one of the best Walking Dead episodes that has been out in a long time. I'm not the only one that, it, that it believes this because uh, I was IMDB gave it a 9.5 out of 10. Wow. It features Negan. And Negan, arguably one of the best characters ever to be in The Walking Dead. And when mm-hmm. you consider all of the people that have we've lost, all of the main characters that we've loved, and, and once, once, once Rick departed, it was tough, and Michonne mm-hmm. has departed. You know, uh, Maggie departed for a while, though she is now back. She's back. Um, this was um, an amazing episode. They, you know, I, I think due to COVID, they have been forced to give us some flashback episodes that... I haven't known The Walking Dead to do that a whole lot. But granted, we've gone six years into the future, you know, when, when after Rick left. And, uh, and, and so there's a lot that we don't know went on. But um, this is something that wouldn't have mattered because we're going into Negan's past. And oh, interesting. Before, we, yeah, before Negan was Negan. Uh, this is um, very, very well done. Jeffrey Dean Morgan does a tremendous job. Also, uh, you know the, the the and I let me see if I can give her some love because if I have the, the the last I don't know if I have it. Um, if you the, the last episode called here's Negan. Let me see if I get the woman that played his wife. Where is she? Uh, come on, give me a name. Give me a name. You know it's tough when you don't know anybody or there's somebody that has been mentioned and you know okay like in How I Met Your Mother. You know we never got to see what the mother was until like the last episode and that didn't go over very well. So it's always tough when you're playing a character walking into a cast that nobody knows who you are. Yeah. Um, but, boy, she did a tremendous job, and I, I'd like to give you your 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 due, but unfortunately I am DB. Is it Hillary see. Burton? Uh, you, you know what? You might as well go with it because I'm actually on, <laughs> I'm on the Here's Negan episode guide, and for some reason I'm looking at the cast, yep. and they decide that Hillary Burton doesn't need to be put on here for some reason. 
It is uh, in the extended one, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She played so Lucille dumb. in it. Yeah, and yeah. Thank you. Fun it, fact: I think that's his real wife. Yeah, it's showing on. Uh, on what? Yeah, yep. it looks like uh, she is the wife of Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yep. Well, I hate to say this. This is. I mean, there's so much chemistry there, in a way, I guess it's like, all right, well, it makes sense to me. <laughs> you really, I really believe they cared about each other. I really, really did. What a powerful episode. So is she an actor as well? Yes. I mean, yeah, she was on One Tree Hill and some other oh, things okay. as well, but yes. Well, man, oh, man, then, I mean, they, they must really love each other in real life because they did an amazing job. Um, <laughs> yeah, it uh, kind of makes sense on that, right? Yeah, it it was an it was a it was a great season ender. Um, I don't know if this was supposed to be the season ender. You know, it's weird what this season's become because, you know, you thought the end of the Whisperer War would be the season ender, but there were like three or four or five more episodes to happen after that. Mm-hmm. But that was this is the official season ender, and then I believe the eleventh season will start in the summer, and that'll be it. But uh, yeah, this season's been a little bit. Eh, you know, they 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 went deep into a couple of characters. I believe it's because of COVID, because so many people couldn't be on the screen at the same time. Yeah. So it's like people buddied up and sort of like, oh, here's one about Daryl and Carol, and here's one about um, uh, the father who I can't remember his name. Okay, oh, G- uh, Ga- uh, Gabriel. Gabriel, and then um, and then then Ross, uh, Ross Marquardt. I don't know. His, oh yeah, with his big uh, arm. Yeah, I, I Aaron. Yeah, uh, yeah. Thank you. I can't remember anybody's <laughs> name on the show. I still remember them. I'm glad you I got to go back and watch this thing, man. Yeah, because um, I mean, they were interesting episodes, mm-hmm. uh, it, but this one was really powerful. And you, you know, sometimes you don't want to go back to the past and sort of view something, but this really, man, this really shows you that you you just don't know what makes somebody the bad guy. And then you you and normally I'd be like this is lame because I can't believe this is the only thing that turned him into this jerk. But then you you put on top of it it's a zombie apocalypse and the entire world has gone to hell. <laughs> and I think they really did a nice job with this. This this is one of the best episodes to come along in a long time. Uh and uh well written, well executed. Uh, and, um, yeah, Rev, I, I, you know, I think this was a great gift to end the season. And it's interesting too, because I was very confused when you said you can watch this by itself. Now it makes a lot more sense. And also, uh, I'm totally in with villains and I love the villains. So it is uh, very entertaining to be able to check out and get more of a backstory on Negan because he is a, a character that I feel should be fleshed out and has been in the present, but getting that past tense is uh, very good on that. Well, as I'll tell well. you this, I'll tell you right now, I mean, this is what's really, and you talk, and Lauren, Cohen and Jeffrey Dean Morgan really need to be commended for this because they have scenes where, you know, I mean, look, Maggie, the Maggie character obviously is hating this guy Mm -hmm. uh, because she just came back. Can't believe he's free. Can't believe he's working amongst them all. And I am not liking Maggie. Like I am rooting oh, for Negan, wow. even though Negan killed her her man. I yeah. mean, I mm-hmm. shouldn't be rooting for Negan, and I should actually be empathetic <laughs> towards Maggie. That just goes to show that they're doing a great job with both those characters. Uh, because I don't, I, my brain goes, you can't be mad at Maggie. She's got every reason to want this guy dead, and yet I'm just like, f you, Maggie. You know, it's just like, <laughs> so you know they're doing a good job. Uh, going from one uh, Robert Kirkman thing to another quickly, we've got Invincible up to right now. It's episode. Five. Five, but as of our recording, you've only seen BJ up to episode four. I've only seen episode one, which I've talked about previously. Um, but you're all in on it, right? 
Oh yeah, it's, it, they are doing a great job, basically reinterpreting this uh, from the comics, uh, and and I'm, it's it's great to like it's been a while since I've read the comics, so it's like oh yeah, I remember this now. That's nice. Uh, but a lot of it's like almost new to me, which is great. But yeah, they're they're doing a great job with this show, and uh, I I'm really really liking it a lot. It, it's it's a it's 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 really gritty, and I know what's going to happen, and I'm like oh gosh when. <laughs> When 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 the hammer drops, this is going to be a beating. And um, well, it I mean, is, there was already yeah. quite a beating at the end of the uh, first episode. Well, there was, but you, <laughs> know, you but you know that there's somebody who doesn't know this who sh- should really have a lot of love yeah. for that person. Mm-hmm. And you're like, when they find out, it ain't going to be pretty. No, nope. uh, and um, <laughs> it is. Uh, but I I know it's about to come, so I I hope they continue making this series. Uh, I think it's only got eight episodes, so we're gonna next thing you know, Rev is going to be done, and we're going to be like, oh my god, come on, give us more. <laughs> well, uh, that one's on Amazon Prime, and uh, yes. they're putting a lot into the superhero stuff, so I kind of feel that they're going to be uh, keep running with that one. Yeah, Amazon Prime's got another one. I wish I knew what it was, but it's a bunch of old superheroes I, I, I know they're going to be coming out with. And, I think uh, I saw that in Well, it's... I know there's one on Netflix called Jupiter's Legacy. Oh, I thought that was Amazon Prime. That's no, exactly it, what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, it's Net, it's Netflix, and it's Mark Miller, which uh, who's done Kick-Ass and uh, The Kingsman. And so uh, it's another superhero team, uh, but they got a little, a little bit more uh, familial problems when it comes down to that one. It'll be interesting to see how that one goes with all of that. Well, I'll be I'll be all in on that, baby. I know you will. <laughs> Moving on from that, we got to get to Mr. Gareth von Kallenbach, who has some information about, well, conventions, and most importantly, E3. Gareth Von Kallenbach joins us from Skewed and Review, that is SKNR.net. And Gareth, we've been speculating about all sorts of different conventions and uh, what's been going on, but E3 has uh, dropped a bunch of news and information about what's going to be happening, haven't they? They have, and it's really interesting because I think it's good to have clarification, it's good to have uh, some direction because... People forget last year it was all very hazy. E3 was uh, preparing for the in-person show. They had already sent out a wave of uh, press confirmations. And then the lockdown happened, and then all of a sudden the show didn't happen. And there was no online element to it. And in that vacuum, all sorts of other people popped up and started doing their own uh, direct reveals. You know, we had Xbox did one, Ubisoft did one. Uh, Sony did one, you know, on and on and on and on, as well as these indie game shows. So a couple months back, we started getting rumors that E3 was indeed coming back, but it was going to be an online show. Mm-hmm. And that led to even more rumors. There was some rumors going around about the politics behind the scene in terms of who would take part, who would not take part, the cost of taking part. And that spun out into this whole thing about, like Blizzard did, uh, with the exception of this year's BlizzCon Online, that portions of the show might be behind a paywall, that if you wanted to take part in them, you had to pay up for them. Ooh, damn. And, yeah, and so E3 came out and said, nope, that's not the case. It's going to be free for everybody. We'll have more details soon. But, of course... People still were running a narrative that, well, this was only a recent decision as of, you know, blah, blah, blah. They were still looking into this, and this is how much they want for this. And there were people saying they were trying to get, you know, they were still charging a hefty fee. 
comparable to what booth space at the show would be to take part in this online one. And, you know, there's just so much misinformation and speculation that was out there. And they finally cut through it all and said, okay, look, we're back. It's free. It's going to be June 12th through the 15th. Now, um, there is an element the week before that is available for the press and influencers only. And this is essentially, would we like some private meetings and maybe um, things of a nature that are not available to the public? We've talked about at the show, there are upstairs areas, there are private meeting rooms and stuff like that, where we are often invited to see things that are not on the main floor, that they're not ready for the public to see, but they want the press to see them. You know, an example mm-hmm. would be, at the last show, we got to see Dying Light 2. We went into a upstairs room. We got to sit down with them. We got to see an extended playthrough of a level of the game, get a little swag, stuff like that. None of that was on the floor. None of that was eyes for the general public. So that's what we think is going to be coming. And so now the big question is going to be who's taking part, because yeah. as you know, as you remember, 2019, EA had already gone on and done their own thing. Activision opted not to have a booth on the floor, but had private meeting space. And Sony did not take part. And so, you know, lots of politics. And then, of course, you know, really getting deep into it last year, a person who was associated with the show prior to the cancellation said he would not be involved with them going forward because there were differences over the intended direction. He started his own summer game series. They've already came out last week and said, we're doing our summer game series again. It's in June. Well, that was a large number of indie games last year. And so, you know, I, I said to somebody not trying to be too cynical you can bet there's probably some serious negotiation going on about which companies will take part in which show or either, or are they going to do their own thing? And as I said, the great thing about it was the E3 announcement cut through all of that. They came right out and said, we've got Nintendo, we've got Xbox, we've got Ubisoft, we've got Capcom, and we've got 2K already committed to this more on the way. That's a good thing to put out there because, I mean, with the fact that everybody can kind of just do their own thing, especially if it's going to be an online uh, aspect of it, in order to get people interested in it, and not just people to watch it or go to check it out, but other companies, you need to put out some big names, and it seems like they were able to do so. Exactly. And, you know, and this has been a huge narrative for the last year. We've had so many people come to me and say, online or whatever we don't need these in-person shows they're dying i'm like no we do (laughs) cannot get i said sitting watching a carefully groomed trailer or gameplay is not the same yes i know that may be the exact same footage they show at the convention but they're the sets there's the hype there's the excitement there's the hands-on aspect and there's the ability They may not answer. I mean, let's be honest. They often have a pretty set things of what they will and what they won't. But meeting the people face-to-face and being able to say, hey, I liked this in the play test. I'm concerned about this. Or what about this? Now, as you know from going to PACs and stuff, you might get a lot of, well, we're not prepared to talk about this at that at the time or we don't, you know, no comment or something. 
at least it's there. You can build the relationships. And I think to me, that is kind of the best indicator. And, you know, and I told someone, I said, look at the whole convention landscape. People keep saying, oh, they don't need these things. They can do them. But look at the entertainment industry. When they do shows like Comic-Con online, yes, they're watched, but there's not the hype. There's not the intensity that there is at the live show because there's something about only three, four, five, eight thousand people being allowed in the room versus millions watching online, not knowing which celebrities are going to come on stage, not knowing what the reveals are. There's the hype and the excitement, and that generates social media traffic mm-hmm. to the level that everybody being able to watch online doesn't. You know, the, the excitement yeah. and the energy is missing, and that is where you're at with this. And so it, it's kind of a big thing because this is essentially, for many ways, it's a divided community in the gaming industry right now. There, there are those saying we can do our own thing and save money, and there are others saying, no, we're better when we're all together. I saw a social media post today where people were saying, we're better when we're all together, when we're all united. And then, you know, the tragic thing about this in many ways, and I, I really hope using the phrase tragic doesn't sound bad in the middle of a pandemic, is <laughs> you, you have to wonder what would have happened a couple months later, because in California, they're doing exceptionally well with things and vaccinations. Not only are the parks opening, as we've talked about, the governor's come out and said June 15th, if the cases are low and the vaccine supply is um, solid, we're going to have 100% capacity at movie theaters. We're going to be opening things up, provided the numbers. And one of the things that we heard was things like conventions, certain indoor concerts are going to be allowed to resume. Yes, it reduced capacity. We've heard stories like you have to show um, full vaccination and that you have to or take like a, a rapid test on site or produce a, you know, a recent negative test, still have to mask all of that. And the reason I mention that is you sit there and go, well, wait a second. So if June 15th, they can do this. Couldn't they do the show a week or two later? And the problem with that is it's the logistics, all the planning. You can't get the sets built in time. You can't get the builds that you're going to be demoing and all of this, it would just be a mad rush to try to get it ready because people have spent the last six, seven months pretty much realizing there wasn't going to be an in-person show. And it's just, it's so like, wow, you know, a month or so earlier had this news come out, maybe things would be really different right now. That's a really good point on that. I mean, everything is ever flowing and ever changing, but it's kind of nice to see, I mean, maybe like a little normalcy, you know? Yeah, and it gets back to what we were talking about with Comic-Con's November event. The companies, you know, it takes months. People don't realize for these elaborate sets that they have and props, we've seen them at PAX. I can tell you they're even more elaborate at E3. <laughs> this takes a long time to build. There's a lot of money invested in the sets. There's a lot of money invested in the space and everything that goes on behind it. This is not something you can throw together in three months. This is not something you could say, well, let's just take this build and put it there on some basic shelves, hang a couple banners and we're good because the other side of it 
as somebody who worked in the gaming industry many years ago, <laughs> if your build craps out on the showroom floor, that's not going to be good. And oh. if you, you know, don't have months to get a stabilized build or demo to the floor, the absolute worst thing I've seen companies. I, I still remember when the Xbox booth uh, at Comic-Con had a series of power failures and downs in the middle of the show, how that generated some talk about, uh-oh, uh-oh, you know, and that's just a power failure. And, you know, somewhere, oh, the systems are crashing. And that's the whole thing. And that's why we come back to the whole big picture of packs that, you know, companies looked at it and said the summer is not going to be viable because we're not sure they're going to happen. And even if they are, we cannot get things together in time. But you have shows coming out such as Creation Star Trek saying, August, we're still looking at August. We, you know, still sending out emails saying we're getting ready to sell tickets. We're good to go. You have PACs that was sending out information quite a bit recently who are saying, you know, send an email reply the other day saying, yeah, we're still, we're still good to go. September 3rd through 6th, we're, we're ready. And, you know, you and I can pretty much say, all right, they're probably going to have reduced capacity, masks and spacing. Gamescom in Germany has already come out and said, we're good to go. Reduced capacity and online. We're going to use a virtual system so you can't have everyone smashing into the, you know, gaming areas. You're going to have to essentially do uh, like Sony does up at PAX for some of the VR things where you come up and, you know, you register and they say, okay, come back at this time. That's what they're going to have to do. We're going to adjust. We're going to go on. But, you know, fingers crossed, it looks like this is going to happen. And that's the great big question. Yeah. What is the future? Is it going to be these hybrid online live action shows? Are they going to go back to straight live action? Or are companies going to say, we're just going to control our own destiny and just release trailers online? That'll be an interesting thing to take out, and I'd love to hear some of uh, the thoughts about uh, some of our fans out there, some of the Geek Nationals, uh, how they feel about these hybrid methods. I love that. People can get more information on that and all sorts of geeky things over at Skewed and Reviewed. You can find that at SKNR.net. Thank you so much, Gareth. Anytime. Take care, guys. Thank you so much, Gareth. And now it is time for The Geek Sheet with Vicky B. All right, Vicky, what do you got? So we were just talking, you know, Captain or Captain America. Dang it, now Joe's got me doing it too. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That's it. And this is something that's been kind of floating around the internet because we need to understand something. An actor is not their character. Wait yes. a minute. What are you saying? They're <laughs> reals. Uh, not really. So this was like a PSA. If you haven't checked our Facebook po- uh, in a minute, I posted it a few days ago. It says, please learn to separate a character from their actor. We get it. You don't accept the new Captain America. That's the point. He was never going to be a permanent replacement. He was made to be a reason why Sam eventually gets the shield back after denying its responsibility. John Walker is a roadblock in Sam's character development. John is a U.S. agent, not a friend. And I'm so disappointed in Marvel fans for going as far as giving Wyatt Russell death threats, the actor who plays John Walker. Uh, Wyatt is portraying John Walker's character pretty damn good in one one episode we've seen him in so far at the point when this was written. He is getting unnecessary hate from you guys. Hate the character, not the actor. Do better. Right. I mean, we've seen that, uh, especially with uh, Joffrey. From Game of Thrones. From Game of Thrones. Like, you need to be able to separate the actor from the character. And some for some reason, I don't get why... 
people can't do that. And I was a person who loved Joffrey. I would never think of sending the actor like death threats or anything right? like that. Like, what's the point of that? Exactly. Yeah, it, it makes the geek community look bad. And we're not that bad. It's, it's a very small number of people doing this. And I wish I could say it's new, but Mark Hamill told stories that when he was on a soap opera, uh, some woman came up and slapped him in the face because of his character. And that was way before <laughs> Star Wars. Wow. So and I mean, they have, these people have been, these, whatever you want to call these people, they've been around a while misbehaving. <laughs> And not realizing it's just a TV show. Uh, if, I know it kind of ties into the nerdy world, uh, the whole wrestling uh, vibe. Yeah. And there was, I'm blanking on the name. It was a documentary. I think it was uh, about Glow. Because there's the Netflix show Glow about the gorgeous uh, ladies of uh, wrestling. Yep. It's got Allison Bree. So what mm-hmm. else do you need to know? <laughs> uh, but they actually did in a real documentary about the real ladies it was based off of. And just to see, like, one character in, like, the 80s was portraying, like, a Soviet Union-type character. Yeah. They needed to protect her on the way out because people were trying to attack her. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a thing that's been around forever and we joke about it but it's it's not okay exactly and that's one of those things we talk about the separating from those but also i mean a little bit of a a a commendation for the actors who are playing these characters so well that people really do feel that way i mean you shouldn't feel that way but good that you can bring out that emotion in people (laughs) oh yeah because i hate the new captain america i want his character dead (laughs) okay the character he's a great character not not wyatt russell wyatt russell is fine john walker is a is a dude Johnny Walker, yeah. You know what? I only want to drink Johnny Walker. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) Well, until next time, guys, stay nerdy.